Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez, I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing and awesome episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. We actually just hit a huge milestone, Carson, and we hit over 50,000 downloads this year. So first off, thank you, everybody, for listening to us and, of course, putting up with listening to Carson's voice. We all know mine is spectacular. So Yeah, whatever makes you sleep at night. <laughs> uh, we like to have fun, as you guys know. So thanks again for everybody listening and supporting us. We're really having a great time at it. We've got a lot of fun things coming in the future, including some video stuff, which we've been talking about for, I don't know, feels like six months now, but we finally have the setup almost complete at our Newport office. So we've been working on that. Today, though, we actually have a topic that we are re-recording. Funny story real quick is we recorded this episode about two or three weeks ago. And for some reason, none of the audio recorded. So we have a nice big recording of us talking for 30 minutes on video with absolutely no audio whatsoever. And I don't even know how that happened, but somehow the audio did not save and it looked like it was. So I'm hoping we don't have a repeat of that this time, Carson. I hope not. Mark, I hope you're listening. Just let us know if you don't hear us, okay? Mark's our new producer and he's given us a thumbs up. He's like, I can hear you this time. Last time was questionable. Uh, so luckily, I think we've got that bug figured out. Today, we are actually going to be discussing something that is a huge help to pilots in today's day and age, and that is automation. And we're talking about automation of everything airplanes today. So Carson, tell us a little about automation. Yeah, well, take two. Automation in airplanes was first introduced in the 1910s by the Sperry Corporation, and they'd create an autopilot that would keep the plane flying straight and level. So pretty much the same thing a student pilot can do. And it really grew from there. In the 1960s and 70s, they introduced flight directors, and they also introduced auto throttle controls. And today we have planes like the 787 by Boeing that are highly automated and can manage everything from navigation to system monitoring. There's a lot of automation in aviation, but general aviation is a little bit different. We don't have either access or can afford all the automation that are in those massive airplanes. So what have you experienced in general aviation? Well, first off, my favorite automation is my student pilot or my son, Austin. I tell them to fly straight and level and I tell them to fly a heading and stay at a certain altitude and they are a great automation. I just have to sit there and monitor everything. I mean, it's my favorite automation. I call Austin my Austin pilot or my autopilot and that one's a real fun one. And all the students, of course, if you're a CFI and listening to this, you know exactly what I mean, by the way. Fortunately, Carson is the automation currently <laughs> that we get to utilize if we're going to go fly, but it's okay. I've flown enough. He wants to fly a little bit more. Same thing with Austin. He really likes flying that icon. And you check out our last trek on that. He flew a really good straight and level flight. I mean, it was perfect. But onto a real automation. So obviously the biggest thing that GA aircraft use are autopilots. We have multi-axis autopilots. We have some that just do straight and level. We have some that control yaw even with the yaw dampener. We have got all sorts of types of things with automation. And also another thing that's been kind of fantastic with automation is the fact that you can take and send your flight plan directly into your Garmin unit or something like that. So if you type it in for flight, if you have the right software or hardware on the airplane, you can actually send it directly into your Garmin unit. And that way you don't have to hand type everything, which is really, really useful, especially when some of the, I don't know if the new Garmin units that the G650, is it G650? No, GTN650 and GTN750. I'm not sure if you can type in Victor Airways on those, but I know you can type in Victor Airways on for flight. 
and you can send those through into the system and they'll just pick waypoints, which is fantastic. I'm obviously not super experienced with that, but you're telling me you can type in your flight plan on ForeFlight and send it to your Garmin? Correct. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of the name of the unit right now, but yeah, you can type it in on, on that and you can send it directly into your Garmin unit. And I don't know if you can send it to anything else, but I think it's just, yeah, it's the Garmin unit, but that's really a kind of an automated thing that I don't know if I'd call that an automation, but it's a really cool factor and it really speeds up a lot of things for you. So, I mean, that would probably be the biggest thing for you. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to it, but there's obviously upsides and downsides like we like to talk about here. So where are the, some of the benefits, at least that you've experienced or know of with automation? Obviously safety. Automation can improve safety or decrease safety sometimes though. Can handle repetitive tasks. The efficiency of automation is a little bit better. It can really hold your altitude really well. It can optimize flight paths in ForeFlight. It reduces your workload. And just like I was talking about, autopilots allow pilots to focus on other things besides manually controlling the airplane. But there's also some downsides to it as well. Sometimes you can become a little over-reliant on it. Most people aren't trained properly. I bet you if I asked most people what's in the autopilot supplement to their POH, they would just not even know what I'm talking about. But if you have a, a Garmin 650 or 750 and probably lots of other things, there is a supplemental document that goes with your POH or AFM. And that goes with those documents. And most people have no idea what's in them. Most people do a little bit of training on units and autopilots and all these different things that automate and make your life better. So, you know, most people have read their POH, right? I mean, you, you've trained a lot of owner pilots that have their own airplanes. In your experience, have they read through their whole POH a lot? Have I told them to read through the whole POH or have they told me they did? Those are two very different things. I've read through every POH for every airplane that I've ever flown. So personally, I can say that is very true. I highly encourage every student I've ever taught to read through the entire POH including the supplemental POHs, but some of them are really dry. I mean, it tells you exactly how things work, like in a very in-depth level, and you might not even understand what you read on some of those supplemental POHs. So sometimes that's a little bit more difficult, but even if you read through it, you might not know what it means. So you need to get training on that stuff. I mean, that's really a big deal. And like I was saying, you can handle repetitive tasks, but don't become over-reliant on this stuff. I know that some people will type in a GPS destination and they'll program it into their GPS and they will plug in their nav function on their autopilot, right? Well, if it just says GPS on certain autopilots, it will not steer you. There's a, something called GPSS, and that's GPS steer. And that means it'll actually turn you onto those next waypoints. And you need to make sure that you have it on that setting. I've been with a lot of pilots, and they'll just put it on the GPS mode and not put on GPS steer mode. And they will actually just fly off into the distance somewhere, and it's not really following their GPS anymore. It's a really interesting thing. So that's what I mean when somebody really needs to get trained on their avionics or trained on their autopilot. I think it's really, really important. And with all the automation that there is, do you think we could ever really have a single pilot operation as far as commercial aircraft go, or you know, even go so far as a, like a fully autonomous aircraft? 1000%. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that we could have a fully autonomous aircraft. I know that there's fully autonomous cars now. I went in this car called a Waymo car. What city was I in? I was in Phoenix. I was in Phoenix and I went in this Waymo car and literally you download the Waymo app just like an Uber and it comes to you. Like sometimes you have to walk across the street because it can't make a U-turn or something, but you walk across the street to it or it comes up right next to you depending on where you're at and where you're going. And literally you get in the back of this car and it talks to you, it tells you to buckle your seatbelt, 
It will call like emergency services. It will call customer service and pull over if you're not wearing your seatbelt. It's a pretty crazy car. And there is nobody in the front seat. The steering wheel moves. There's no one in the front seat. And it's made by a, it's like a Jaguar. It is the craziest cool car I've ever been in my life. And I was like taking pictures and videos of it. And I was flabbergasted the first time I got in it. And then by the end of the weekend, I was getting in them all the time. And I just felt like it was an Uber. So if I could change my perception that quickly, that's pretty insane on a car with nobody in the driver's seat. Literally no one was in the front seat. And then besides that, just think about how much Tesla has become adopted. I know I got a new truck recently and I got this thing called Super Cruise on it. It's a Chevy feature and it's like a Tesla, but you just have to look forward. So you sit in the car and you look forward and it drives for you on the freeway, at least. It doesn't make turns and stop at stop signs. But with a Tesla, it can literally drive you, make turns at streets, stop at red lights, blow through yellow lights, go through green ones. I mean, Tesla technology is pretty far out there. And I know when. 10 years ago, I would have not thought to give the ability to drive to an electronic device rather than me actually driving it. And I'm in my mid 30s. Imagine somebody who's in their 50s and they're letting this technology drive them around or 60s or later. As the public gets a lot older, I feel that they will become more adoptive of these things, especially as the new generation who's grown up with these things has just seen it and thinks it's normal. They're not going to have any issues with getting in a driverless car, just like we are now. And I can tell you this, they are not going to have any issues getting to a, long story short, a driverless or a pilotless airplane. So do I think that, and this kind of goes full circle for the past two minutes of into Carson's question of, could we ever get into single pilot operation of commercial aircraft? Absolutely. There's already single pilot operation of commercial aircraft when we're talking some light jets, we're talking about feeder routes for like FedEx. Those are all single engine planes that take one pilot. I mean, those are starting to happen. We talk a lot about the impact of the pilot shortage. So do you think that a single pilot operation, just because of all this automation, can help us with the pilot shortage or impact the jobs and the job market in the long term? That's a complicated answer, but I'll give you at least complicated answer I could give. First off, will the public ever be okay with having one pilot in a cockpit when we are hearing about people trying to pull fire suppression systems who aren't even pilots in the cockpit? who were about to go fly an airplane, just like you all heard on our last episode. Public perception, I have a real hard time believing that they are going to want to let one pilot sit in the front of an aircraft, at least in the short term, meaning 10, 15 years from now. I also believe that the pilot unions, who are very strong in our industry, are going to have a very hard time convincing their membership that there should only be one pilot. It's bad for them. It's bad for the pilots. It's good for the airlines because they save a ton of money. And then is it good or bad for the public? That's going to be the question the FAA is going to have to decide long term on these aircraft. And will Boeing and will Airbus and Bombardier and, and Gulfstream, will all of these companies allow their aircraft to get certified with single pilot? I know certain Cessna jets are certified single pilot, things like that. So I think long term, that will be the question. And full circle on your question, Carson, about will it impact jobs? Of course, it's going to impact jobs. Will it impact jobs today, tomorrow, or even 15 years from now? In my opinion, because of the employee unions, the pilot employee unions, uh, and because of how slow the regulatory agencies are in the US, I think that there is no way possible for us to go to single pilot in a commercial jet within the next 15 years. Past that, maybe. If the pilot shortage gets so exacerbated across the world, where there's no choice, 
that could do it. But luckily, with companies like Stratus and companies like all of the great, amazing flight schools that are training our future pilots today, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think that problem will get fixed in the next 10 years. And that leaves, well, like I said, 15 years, it might change, but I have a real hard time trying to think that would actually change. It just doesn't seem plausible to me. I mean, money talks, right? Whoever's making the money, they're not going to give it up. The employee unions and the pilots are making phenomenal money right now. That's why a lot of people want to become pilots. You get paid doctor money and you don't have the, the liability. I mean, it's like a no brainer. Like everybody should want to become a pilot nowadays. And I think that the problem is not enough people know that they can become a pilot. I mean, even me, I thought I had to join the military to become a pilot when I was younger. That route didn't work for me, but that's what I thought. I guarantee I'm not the only one that thinks that. I think most people even think that pilots who go work at the airlines were ex-military, because that's what I thought. And was that true at some point? Yeah, it was really true. Like after the Vietnam War, that was really pretty true. That's who they hired. They had the most hours, they had the most experience, and those guys were happy they weren't getting shot at in Vietnam. So they obviously want to go fly a nice, safe airplane. I think that's kind of my big answer on public perception and job impact, et cetera. Well, I think a huge impact to the public perception is things are just total game changers and big steps forward towards automation. Like Garmin Autoland. We haven't even talked about that. Garmin Autoland's huge. I mean, I'd, I'd like to explain it, but Brandon, you've been closer to it than I have. So I'd just like for you to tell us a little bit about it. Garmin Autoland is a, is a great new feature that's been brought on by Garmin, obviously, onto a lot of new aircraft. I know Piper's brought out a lot of new aircraft with it and uh, Cirrus. I think they might have been the first ones. And the Garmin Autoland product is amazing. It basically allows single pilot jet or single pilot turboprop or single pilot aircraft that has this, this in it. If they become unresponsive or if something happens to them, their passenger, who's probably not a pilot, husband, a wife, or even a child, you can literally go and press a button and it will alert the authorities that there's an emergency. It will communicate ATC with you or you will communicate with ATC. It will tell everybody where you're at. It'll change your squat code and it will find the closest airport with medical services and it will land the airplane and come to a full stop and turn off the aircraft on the runway for you. I mean, it's a game changer. Also, there's already auto land technology on commercial airplanes. There's some aircraft, they can go all the way down to zero, basically, minimum. They can land without being able to see anything. And this technology already exists. It's, do we want to let that technology kind of take hold? And I can tell you this, technology does not slow down. Automation does not slow down. If you would have told me that AI would do what it's doing right now, five years ago, probably would have laughed at you, just like everybody else, except for everybody who was in AI, obviously. But remember, even last year, one of our first like 20 episodes, ChatGPT just came out in a big way and... We had our entire episode created by ChatGPT1. Imagine what we would do if we did that again now. I mean, ChatGPT has come out as swinging. And that's an automation we did a year ago in the podcast. So just imagine what artificial intelligence is going to do for aircraft and how quickly that's going to move across for us. I'm really excited for what automation is going to do. Do I think it's going to take pilots out of the cockpit? No, I think they're going to be there. And whether they do as much or not, that's one thing to be said, because you already have to use autopilot anytime you're above flight level 290. So 29,000 feet, it's required. If it's required there, the pilots aren't going to be doing very much at that point. I mean, they might adjust their auto throttles, but those are also auto throttles, right? They're automated, they're automatic. The aircraft nowadays really control themselves and stop the pilots from doing anything stupid. I know when I went to my ATP training, I got put in an Airbus, I think 320. And basically, 
there was a takeoff in high density altitude. And the question was, will you clear this mountain? And I tried pulling back and it stopped me from stalling the aircraft. It didn't matter if I was going to hit the mountain or not. It stopped me from stalling the aircraft because if I stalled the aircraft, then I was going to lose altitude regardless. So it just kept a certain pitch altitude, no matter how far back I pulled the stick. So it overrode me. So there's automations in aircraft that are overriding pilots already that most of the public probably doesn't even know about. And that's one of them. And you train for that and pilots train for that. Now, can we disconnect some of those things in an Airbus? I don't know. I don't fly jets. But I know you can disconnect a lot of things in a lot of different systems. I'm sure that might be one of them. It's just crazy how much automation there is. And like you said, that there's a lot that people don't know about. I mean, I didn't know that smaller planes, anything in general aviation really had autopilot. I thought growing up that was only in airliners exclusively, big jets. And I found out, wow, like a lot of people have this. The first time I flew with Matt, I was like, whoa, you have autopilot? That's crazy. He said, yeah, watch this. And he took it off and said, now you're the autopilot. So <laughs> stuff like that happens. Um, and it's just, it's crazy how fast that the world changes, how fast aviation changes. And even though the regulations and regulatory agencies don't necessarily move fast, there's advancements and technologies that come out constantly. So I'm excited to see what else is going to happen. I have a lot of time in aviation left. So it's going to be pretty cool. I'm like Brandon. By the way, that's his dig on me being like 15 years older than him or whatever I am. Thanks so much, Carson. Yeah, I have a little bit less time in aviation than you. Luckily, you got your pilot certificate, 19 or 20 or whatever you were. So congratulations being young. By the way, it goes away and there's going to be somebody else that replaces you that's going to be younger than you. So you'll feel it. Don't worry. I shaved my beard off everybody, by the way, because it was getting so gray. So everyone might see a picture of me soon. And I don't have a beard. I look totally different now. <laughs> they keep calling me Austin because I look like my son. Somebody actually asked me if we were brothers the other day, and it was like the best thing anybody's ever told me like, wow, I will go for uh, having a little little brother that happens to be almost six feet tall at this point at 12 years old. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you everybody for listening today. I hope you uh, really enjoyed kind of our talk about automation. I know we didn't get real in-depth into things because we only have about 20 minutes every time we get together here. But I will say that talking about automation, we could probably go on for a couple of days, literally talking about different aircraft and their automation and their systems and how automation makes an impact in our industry. But I hope you got a little bit out of this today and hope you enjoyed it. So thank you so much for listening to us today. And if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at Brandon at AviationMentors.com or for Carson, it's Carson at AviationMentors.com. And as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. See ya.